everybody. It's my great privilege to welcome and introduce you to a series that I'm going to be doing with my father um, on um, aspects of ministry uh, related to um, especially those who are doing vocational ministry who are actually paid for it. So today we're going to be talking about calling. Oh, by the way, I should introduce myself. My name is Paul Mugarura. My father is Benoni Mugarura Mutana. Um, uh, people know him as Uncle Ben. Um, please say hi, Uncle Ben. Hi, everyone. Uh, good to be here with you. <laughs> yes, we're being yeah. super formal, but we hope that this conversation will not be super formal by the end of, <laughs> by the end of it. Cool. So by the miracle of technology, I'm in Ottawa, Canada, and my dad is in Wakiso, uh, Uganda, and he is in Wakiso town. So right. when, people, when people ask me, where in Wakiso is he? It's actually right in Wakiso town, a few less than a kilometer away from the Wakiso district headquarters. Um, how is it there today, Dad? How, what's the weather like? Oh, yeah, it, it, it's been uh, quite interesting in these few days. Uh, we have had downpour of rain like we have not seen in a little while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the water rushing down the hill. We are on a hillside, and so we experience a lot of water since people started the building above us, and um, they put pavements in the, on their compounds, and, and so the water runs down. Mm. And uh, in these last two days, we had quite an experience with the rushing water coming down. We almost thought, oh, Noah's, Noah's days are here. <laughs> you felt like you needed to have built an ark in preparation for these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay, so today we'd like to talk about uh, the, the, the initial stages of vocational ministry, specifically the calling to ministry. So, um, yes. uh, Dad, t talk to me. Um, what... What happens in, in, in your understanding of the sort of this calling to ministry? What's, what, what happens internally inside a person when they first uh, sense this calling to ministry? Um, uh, what, what I have found out uh, throughout these years, talking to people, the way they have come into, into ministry, um, into the uh, ordained or full-time ministry, is that there are several ways in which people come to know about that. Mm -hmm. One is that uh, they have grown up in church, they are known by in the church, mm -hmm. some people love them, and, and then eventually uh, someone like in the leadership comes and says to, to the person, I feel you are called to the ministry, why don't you pray through it and see what I, I said, that's correct. So that is one way that someone identifies that uh, this is possible in the life of the person who is being called. Um. But the second, the second is that um, uh, the person himself in his um, study of the Bible, in his um, persuasion in faith, begins to realize, begins to realize that um, that Probably this is where he's being called to. Mm. And then goes into prayer, into asking, into seeking counsel from the elders, 
uh, to find out whether that is where he's been called. Mm. So mainly those are the two ways. But the others is just because someone doesn't have a job. And this happened a few years back, uh, especially in 1980s and 90s here in Uganda, uh, that somebody doesn't have a job and is trying to find something to do. Mm. And because the person is Christian, says, why don't I try out doing something and uh, in this line? Mm. And applies to the authorities who would select, and they select and send that person for training. Mm. Yes. Wow. So those are kind of three paths. Either they are identified, they feel it for themselves, or they desperately need a job, and so they look at it as a <laughs> as as a as a viable vocation. Um, as as people who've been in ministry um, and who paid to do it, um, it, it makes me laugh. Um, I guess I should say, if you hear noises in the background um, uh, while Uncle Ben, my dad, is speaking, it's because he's at his home and um, his, um, home is, yeah. his home is full, of, is full of life. He has grandchildren running all around, pulling furniture and screaming and whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's the real world we live in, and I guess it's a metaphor for ministry. Yeah, I guess yeah. Yeah, you're just talking for ministry. Somebody called his mom. Yeah, (laughs) that it never goes. It never goes perfectly. Uh, You you do ministry among people. Okay, so after people, after the leadership has identified you, you felt the calling, or you've decided that this is the only job option for you. What happens next in the Anglican context? As a process uh, of identification, there are interviews that get carried out mm. by the, the, the leadership of particular uh, denomi- the, not the diocese mm. uh, so that they ascertain the fact that you really are called. Mm. Because in my case, I had to go twice. Mm. In my case, I had to go twice. I went the first time. Yes. I was found suitable and I waited for another year mm. and uh, then they they realized realized I was serious mm. uh, with what I was uh, asking for and they sent me for training so the, the interviews are, are followed by the fact that one has to look for in a sense sponsorship yes sponsorship um, sometimes the diocese itself has funds yeah and is able to sponsor their students at seminary. And sometimes um, uh, the, the person, the person they ask the person to see if they can solicit for some money to be able to, to do what they are, to pay for the training. Yes. Yes. So that is how, then one ends up, um, uh, after approval, then the recommendation is made uh, for the person to apply to the seminary um, because the seminary selection is different from the diocesan selection. Seminary selection, do you qualify? Are you going to, are you going to carry out, are you going to really manage the, the academic load? Yes. Uh, these are the things. But the, the, the diocese is, are you suitable for ministry? So they are two different. Um, okay. Uh, so so, so let me... 
let me see if I get this right. The um, the diocese um, interviews you um, to see to 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 ascertain the calling of the quote unquote calling on your life. The seminary right. that you go to training um, assesses your academic qualifications for entrance. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Are you going and at what level you are going into the seminary? Whether you are going at the uh, or, or entry point, which usually is uh, uh, at the bachelor's level training, yes, or whether it going in at the uh, master's level training. So yeah. that is done by seminary. Yeah. Yes. And when all these things are, um, are done, then you are one is admitted to seminary. Okay, so suppose you get um, interviewed perfectly, things go well, you get uh, brought into seminary, things go well. How long? How long is seminary then? Seminary is usually three years, three okay. years of training, three full years time. Of, three years full-time training. What, what are you studying while you're in seminary? Um, you have all sorts of range of study material. Yeah. Uh, um, because in, in, the, in the Church of Uganda, yeah. uh, Anglicans of, of section, which is here, is that we are Bible-believing church. Yeah. So all the training is based on the Bible. So Bible takes uh, precedence. Yes. Studying the Bible, analyzing the Bible, uh, how to, how to, uh, whatever, um, how to use this the Bible, and uh, all that is uh, in in started in many stages. Okay. Um, then uh, the you you study uh, the application of the scriptures, mm -hmm. um, especially in, in in evangelism, but also in pastoral uh, ministry, mm -hmm. um, whereby you are, if you are uh, lucky to have a parish yes. or pastoral thing, then the the you know, you know how to apply the Bible in your in your um, ministry. And uh, then the, the theology, yeah, uh, theology, and you, all sorts of different kinds of theologizing, yeah. Uh, and um, uh, then uh, the history of the church from yeah. the beginning, and um, how, what has happened to the church over the years, mm -hmm. and different different divisions in the church, and and conflicts and heresies and, and stuff like that. Uh, okay. So all those are studied in the seminary. Okay, so, um, so is at any point in the study, um, is there an opportunity given for the um, ministry, the, 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 the people undergoing training to, to actually go out and um, be a part of parishes all over the church? The uh, right now certain seminaries, like for instance, the Bishop Tucker College of Uganda Christian University, yes, set up the program in such a way that you are at seminary for a certain amount, number of months, yeah, and then you are into the practical side. We are attached to some church or some um, establishment in the in the church to do the practical there, okay, for several. 
and then you come back. Um, in the time when I was being trained, you were attached to a particular parish mm -hmm. near the seminary because that time we didn't have easy transportation. Yes. And then we would be going there every weekend. Oh, every wow. Weekend. Be part of it. Mm -hmm. um, we would go to visit in the prisons. We would mm -hmm. go to, to, to the hospital. Yes. We, we would do practical. So they'd still do that. Yes. So the, the, the application side of the training that gets given during the seminary time. Okay, so um, I, I do remember uh, while um, I was attending St. Francis um, at Makere in Kampala, um, that from time to time we would have these uh, students from Bishop Tucker come in. Um, and I must confess, on my side, it was always a, oh no, here come the <laughs> students because they they didn't know they they didn't know how to lead the liturgy well um or whatever or they were completely out of sync with kind of the style and the energy that we were doing at saint francis saint francis tended to be a more um expressive uh expressive variant of the anglican tradition you know um we said our prayers were meaning and we said our uh, uh and and we read the creeds with meaning and you know the readings were done with meaning so when every time we'd have the the students come in it would be <laughs> it would be like okay here come the boring students so anyway so when the training is done um yeah but I I can, I can say something about yes, that. Yes, yes, please say something about that. I have met many, yes. many who came in, just like you have described. Yes. Many who came in, and because they stay with us for a whole year, a whole academic year, coming all the time, Yes. by the time they finish, they have come to appreciate the way we were doing things. Yes, yes. And, uh, uh, to be fair, that's, that, that, that is correct. To be fair, by the end of their time, um, they would be yes. much better. Yeah. And uh, very recently, very recently, I met one of them yeah. who later became a bishop uh, of the Diocese of South Ancole. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he, he, he even got money in his pocket and gave it to me and said, thank you very much yeah. for allowing me. Um, for, because for him, he came for two years. Oh, wow. Consecutive. Yes. And uh, is the, the, the ministry that we're doing in, in South Ancoli is uh, as a result of a lot of things that we, we gained when we came to train at St. Francis. Hmm. So there are some, who, there are some who, who came and found it very strange and did not come back. Mm -hmm. There are others who, who found we were wasting their time, but there are those who really came and um, they appreciated what God was doing in our midst. So training is done. What happens then with the deployment at that point? When training is done, then the, the seminary is supposed to write a recommendation to the sending diocese, uh, either that this person would be, should be ordained mm. or that this person, uh, we think this and that or the other, and then the, the diocese makes the decision mm -hmm. to ordain a particular person. Mm. So the, the, after the training and the graduation from seminary, then there is a period of time 
which the those going to be ordained spend with their bishop and with the leaders of the diocese. Yeah. Educating them into what the diocese is all about and what they are doing and and all that kind of stuff. And um, and then they, that's when they they learn of their deployment into okay. particular ministry areas. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, so, sorry, what were you going to say? You can finish the point. I was saying that the retreat becomes very, very important because that's where, where in some diocese, that's when they sign in as members of staff. Okay, so we, we've kind of tracked the process from, from the initial sort of feeling called all the way through education to uh, final deployment. But um, in our in, in our conversation, and I should bring people into this, the reason why we're, we're kind of doing this series is because of a conversation that I had with my dad about what about about a disconnect that happens between the point of calling and the point of ministry that somehow uh, when when you enter into a time of ministry, it's almost like the point it's almost like the calling has been forgotten. Um, talk a little bit about that. No, well, during the training, mm. uh, a lot of 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 uh, influence has been put on this particular candidate for ministry. Yes, uh, some of it is from the theological teachers. Mm. Some of it is from the experiences that the person who is training is going through. Mm. And some of it uh, is that uh, the, the the church, the church uh, into which the person would like to serve, has um, uh, has had some some impact mm-hmm. on, on the candidate themselves. So mm-hmm. by the time the person leaves seminary. Um, after three years, mm. if that person is not very careful, he has mm. forgotten, was forgotten where the whole thing started. Mm. Where the whole thing started. Mm-hmm. I give you an illustration of this. Um, yes, there's a young, a young man who we have I have known him since he was really young, uh, in 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 youth in my youth ministry, mm-hmm. and. Uh, then he got, he came, he got married, he came and was part of our St. Francis ministry. And um, he had been trying to do this job and he wasn't coming, doing this job. And But in my innermost heart, mm. I had had the feeling that this young man would do better mm. if he offered to go for preparation to do the full-time mm. uh, ministry. Mm. And... Um, so one day, I just couldn't contain it. I told him straight in his face. Mm. I said, this is what I've been feeling. I've kept it for long. So would you please think about it, pray about it, and see if you can apply. So on the day of the ordination, mm. into being ordained deacon, mm. he reminded me mm. that I am responsible for him being ordained. Mm. He says, you, you started all of it, and here it is, you are responsible. Right now, he is uh, serving in one of the parishes in Kampala Diocese. Mm. Um, so, 
But notice that he remembers that it originated with what I told him. With a conversation. With the conversation. Yes. And, and, and I pray and hope that he remembers what the conversation was about. Yes. Rather than when he gets into the placement mm. where he's going to be where he has been placed, to begin now to be part of of uh, maintenance, mm. Mm. maintenance, mm. and um, maintaining what has happened and what is go continuing to happen in mm. the particular place he has gone, and that would really mess up his initial initial calling yeah yeah so um yeah. uh i would like to i would like to delve deeper into the maintenance thing but i think i think we should save it for another the the the, the, the subsequent podcast because I, i'd like to camp a little bit on on this um so um i've i've, I've watched I've, I've watched two things happen so some people some people i've recommended to them you need to go, I see the call of God on your life. You need to go to Bible college. You need to go to seminary. They go in with a sense of purpose and they come out on the other side, um, energized and ready for work. And then uh, another group, um, there's, there's another group that specifically that I'm thinking of, who two of them, I saw a real call of ministry on their lives. They went in for training and they came out as atheists. Um, and so it, it's, <laughs> there tends to be this, 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 uh, duality, this dichotomy happening at, at, at seminaries and Bible colleges where some people go in and they come out remembering their calling. Others go in and they come out either having stepped away from their faith or having become disillusioned, um, and stuff. And so how, what what's happening in that process? Have you experienced it? Uh, have you seen it happen in your friends? Like, um, what's happening there that that sense of calling kind of gets lost? I was I went through the training yeah way back in sixties when the theology that was supposed to be the theology of the church at that time yeah was what now is called liberal theology yeah. And within that liberal theology, everything, almost everything was questioned. Mm -hmm. And uh, the people who taught us the Bible questioned the Bible itself. Uh, for example, the, when we were doing Genesis, they said mm -hmm. these are fairy tales. They, are, they were not real. And uh, um, that is why a, you cannot debt them. You cannot do all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And then then they, they said, you know, in the synoptic was uh, the Gospels, mm -hmm. the synoptic Gospels seems to be historical, mm -hmm. but the Gospel of John mm -hmm. is 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 not to be trusted, mm -hmm. sort of. And the letter to the Hebrews was trashed, and the revelation of John was trashed. So it it really needed for someone to have come into seminary at that time. Yes have made a resolution, mm -hmm. having resolved that, that I am following Jesus. Yeah. And therefore, everything that I'm going to learn is to help me be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That makes sense, at least for me, 
because I had been on the streets and God had picked me off the streets and then I did all this. And yeah. I knew over the time, during the time, yeah. that there was some heavy calling on my life because Jesus Christ had picked me up and saved me. So oh, there I are some who... There are some who? Sorry? There are some who, Please are some who come in. As, you, as, as as remember where we started on how people come and get into ministry. Mm -hmm. There are some who do not have specific um, point to refer to why they are being trained and why they are in the this uh, this uh, uh, full time ministry. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they, they, they anything can shake them either way. So so if especially. They if they came in, let's say, because it was a job, it was a last resort um, for employment, um, they're likely to be shaken. Um, if they came in kind of being pushed by someone, but it wasn't something that they felt so strongly for themselves, it is likely that they could be shaken. Is that what Right. Mm. Right. Mm. Right. Even those who, who felt that they came in on their own, they've been called into it. Mm. They, have, they have, if they are not very careful, mm. they will listen to the very eloquent uh, of these professors and, and uh, other people. They can easily be swayed if they do not remain uh, on the main thing, mm. just like already saying the main thing must remain the main thing yes the main thing must remain the main thing yes, yes. <laughs> so um so uh what let me let me say to you what i think you were saying um tell yeah. me if i'm tell me if i'm correct so uh if if your faith if your faith is not grounded it is likely that you could be swayed by the theological arguments and the historical arguments about that that happen in an academic space about the Bible, but you have to be grounded in your faith. Um, I, I I I talk about when when I preach about faith, I say faith is a leap into the unknown. I leap in spite of all the arguments and whatever, in spite of. Um, this eloquence here and that eloquence over there, I have to leap, I have to jump um, to Jesus. Um, so yeah. um, if, if, if you don't, if, if your faith is not a leap, um, if, 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 you, if you're not grounded in that kind of faith, um, it is possible to, 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 to be shaken by, by other arguments around that. Is that kind of what uh, you were saying? That is that is that is true. Mm. That is true. Mm. I, I just add on that uh, that uh, it it doesn't come because someone is not intelligent or someone is not uh, persuaded one way or another, but it it comes in slowly. Uh, slowly. it's a as slow erosion. Yes, uh. as you. To this and as you listen to that mm. and then it begins to make sense mm. because it is intellectually correct mm. then it begins to, to to challenge especially you know faith is not in a sense intellectual is it mm -mm. Faith no. is <laughs> so some intellectual arguments could, mm. could question a person's faith yes and that is 
beyond. Yes, when you get to the end of your intellectual arguments, that's where faith starts. Right. Um, So, okay. So, um, so how do you, how do you then, kind of to close out our discussion for this time, how, how do you then um, kind of re, re, remember that sense of calling? Um, uh, once you've been through the training, once you've had personal experiences that maybe have shaken you, once you've worked at a parish that is causing you disillusionment, and stuff. How do you maintain that sense of calling? Or for the people who got in as a job, as a last resort, how do they find that sense of calling to say, you know what, I may have gotten into this for, for maybe transparently, obviously erroneous reasons, but maybe there's something at the, at, on the other side of this that is that is impactful for people and for communities and for the transformation of lives how do you how do you keep that sense of calling i think the 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 point of to consider is who called me mm. who called me it may have I'm, i may have been it may i may have been recommended Mm. What it, what the best would say, it may have been recommended to me that that's the way to go, mm. or I may have just come in because what else could I? Mm. Or I had this deep, deep, deep feeling in me. But who actually called me? Who is the person mm. that called you? When you get to the person that called. Mm who I want to believe would be Jesus Christ, mm. and you have a, a tried to establish a relationship with him because he has called you to serve him, mm. therefore you need to have a strong relationship with him. Mm. That, is, that is how he, he and related to his disciples. Mm. Remember, he, whenever he called someone, he said, follow me. Mm follow me and the person followed him over a period of time and then were able to be conscripted into his ministry as full time. So if we are called whatever however we came in is not is immaterial. Mm. But now that we are in, what mm. are we into? We are into the church of Jesus Christ. And therefore we need to really establish a strong sense of relating to him and he will be the one that would then direct our way forward mm. what, what you said what you said struck me the that when jesus when jesus called the initial disciples he didn't say come and do ministry he said come and follow me <laughs> so the calling the calling is about following jesus and in following right. Jesus, the ministry happens. So yes. if you're not following Jesus, you're not in the ministry. I, I think that that's so cool. I think that that's so cool. Jesus did not call, did not say, come and do ministry on my behalf. He said, come and follow me. Wow. He didn't say, come with me. No. He said, follow me. Yeah. And, and the two are different. And I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. You do not know where you are going. Yes. I do not know where I am going either, mm-hmm. but follow me. Mm-hmm. I will lead you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. I think, I think that that's a good place to end. I think that that's a good place to end for this part one of our series is to kind of end on that note and that thought about um, calling, uh, that calling is about following, that when Jesus calls you, when the one who called you to ministry called you, he did not call you into a work. He called you into following. And in following him, that's where the work happens. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And following has to do with relationship. Mm. 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 You cannot follow somebody who you are not in relationship with. Yes. 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 Mm. Wow. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to part one of our of my uh, discussion with my dad, um, Uncle Ben. My name is Paul Mugara. My dad is Benoni Mugara, and um, we've been your hosts for this conversation. And um, please join us again um, for part two of this series. We're going to try and put it out in a week from now. Um, and God bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face and favor shine upon you and give you his peace. Dad, would you like to say anything to conclude this? No, no. Just this. Thank you for those who stayed with us all through. Mm-hmm. And uh, we pray that you have been blessed. And we are intending that the blessing of God comes to you through these discussions. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Shabbat